This sermon is brought to you by Buford Road Baptist Church. The speaker today is Pastor Tony Cahoot. If you have your Bibles already in hand, I'd like for you to turn with me to the cornerstone of what we have chosen to be the foundational verse for this series that we're in right now in 2 Chronicles chapter 20 and verse number 15. We're in a series called Life Path. And what we're dealing with in this particular series is the changing seasons of life. Life is not always fair and it's not always the same. And there are things that come out of the woodwork sometimes, very unpredicted. And when they come and they come in massive doses, so to speak, one thing after another. It seems like when you get through one valley, through one trial, something else is already knocking on your door. And sometimes we question God and we say, God, why is this happening to me? Why is it happening so much to me? Why, why am I going through all of these things? That's what Life Path is all about. That's what our, our current seasons, the changing seasons of life series is all about. And right now, we have been dealing with winning the battle of depression. And we have been three or four Sundays, and this will be the last message today on that particular subject. Lord willing, I'll be preaching a message uh, next Sunday entitled, Dealing with the Changing Season of Aging. When I, when I thought about that sermon, I, I saw myself right in the mirror of that. And uh, it's definite. You know what I'm talking about, brother? The changing season of aging. But today we're talking about winning the battle of depression. And we've chosen to use 2 Chronicles chapter 20 and verse number 15. Now, if you're here today for the first time, you're coming in on the latter part of sermon number four in this series. And I don't have time to go all the way back to rehearse the introduction to this sermon. But I will tell you that it's good if you would take time in your study to read chapter 18 and 19 because it does, takes, it does take us up to a clear understanding of what this particular passage of Scripture is all about. And Jehoshaphat found himself in, in the Valley of Depression. And we are talking about, and we will conclude today with these three characters that we've been studying in the Word of God, Moses, Elijah, and Jonah. All three of these individuals, great servants of God, found themselves in the valley of depression. It happens to us. It happened to them. If it happened to them, it will happen to us. And this is something that we've got to contend with, something that we've got to deal with and face. Now, we're looking at it from a biblical perspective, how to deal with that when it does come our way. But let me read this passage of Scripture. If you're watching by Internet, again, we're in 2 Chronicles chapter 20 and verse number 15. And I'm going to read for you one verse here, and we'll move on to others in just a moment. But look at these words very carefully. And he said, Hearken ye all, Judah, and ye inhabitants of Jerusalem, and thou King Jehoshaphat, Thus saith the Lord unto you, Be not afraid nor dismayed by reason of this great multitude, 
for the battle is not yours, but God's. And I think as believers, we, if you've been saved for any amount of time, you understand that you understand what this verse is talking about because the word of God teaches us this in John chapter 15 that Jesus said, without me, you can do nothing. And we, we are virtually powerless on our own. We cannot do anything without him. And so as we move forward as believers, the old song says, leaning on the everlasting arms, we've got to do a lot of leaning today. And so we're talking this morning, this will be the conclusion for this particular message, winning the battle over depression. We're looking at it from a biblical perspective, and I pray that it will be a blessing to your heart. All three of these individuals were dealing with the same types of problems. They all three had physiological problems. They had psychological problems. And all three of these men had spiritual problems as well. And I want us to see this morning what God did for all three of them, how God worked in all three of those areas in their life. And if we believe that God is the same God of yesterday, today, and forever, listen, whatever God did for them, he can do for us. I want us to see how they overcame their depression and so I want you to follow very carefully with me this morning. I hope you've been taking some good notes. In fact, let me say this. We just talked a little about in the opening part of our service how we are praying for Sister Rose. We, we all believe in the power of prayer. Every one of us in this congregation today has needed the power of prayer multiple times in your life. There's never been a day that has gone by. Even when you did not know God, I would like to think that somebody was praying for you. There were times in my life when I was not as close to the Lord as I am now. There were people praying for me. Whether we were lost or whether we're saved, there's always been periods of time in our life where we have needed prayer, where we have needed God to intervene in some kind of way. And so we believe in the power of prayer. And, and I would say this, if you're battling with some type of depression, and I listed several different types a few Sundays ago, let me say this. What you've got to do, first of all, you've got to turn that over to God. You've got to believe in the power of prayer. And let me ask you this question. We thank God for the answer prayers in our life, right? I mean, when, when we have agonized in prayer over something very particular, and we have prayed and we prayed and we prayed, and listen, God showed up. God answered that prayer. Maybe he did it in a miraculous way. Maybe he did it in a spontaneous way. Maybe he did it in a delayed way. But somehow or another, God answered the prayer that you prayed. I don't think that any of us take that for granted. We should not. And every time God answers a prayer for us, we should give him much praise and much thanksgiving. We should give him all the glory for it. But I want you to think about this. Have you ever taken the time to thank God for the unanswered prayers in your life. Think with me just for a moment. You say, well, I don't, I don't like to talk about that because, preacher, the truth of the matter is I, I'm not dwelling on, on that side of it. I want God to answer all my prayers, but God just may not do exactly what you want him to do when you want him to do it and how you want him to do it. And so we have to understand this just as much as we thank God for all of the answered prayers in our life. We have to 
be willing to thank him for the unanswered prayers. We need to learn how to do that because listen, wouldn't we all be soup if God answered all of our prayers? You think about that just for a moment. Think about what kind of mess we would be in if God said yes to everything we said to him. All three of these guys, Moses, Elijah, and Jonah, all three of these guys were glad later that God did not answer their prayer when they were praying, God, take my life. Elijah was delighted when he got up off of the juniper tree after he started uh, his pity party, when he got out of it and he went on to do some other great things for God, he was glad God did not answer that prayer and kill him. All three of these guys, I'm talking about when you're facing a giant and when your heart's been ripped out and your dreams have been shattered. Listen very carefully. You've got to let the Spirit of God handle these things in your life. I want you to see something here in Romans chapter 8 and verse number 26. This is a powerful verse of Scripture. We've mentioned it and we have referenced it occasionally in this series. The Bible says, and the apostle Paul is the one that's writing. He says, likewise, the spirit also helpeth our infirmities. For we know not what we should pray for as we ought. But the spirit itself maketh intercessions for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. So here's the truth of the matter. God knows exactly what's going on in your life. And right now over at Johnston Willis Hospital, they are taking shifts because they can only allow one person to be with Sister Rose at a time. So Lewis will go, and then he will leave, and then Lynn will go, and then she will leave, and it's been a rotation like this. But I will tell you this, there, there is a situation right now at the hospital where they don't know how to pray. It's not that they don't know literally how to play, but listen, they don't, they, their heart is broken. They're weeping. They are trusting God. They're trusting their surgeons. They're listening to technologies, and there's a lot of things going on right now. The Bible says that the Spirit of God, when we don't know what to say that we have said already, have you ever been to a place where you've actually cried about a burden that you were carrying? I mean, you, you just physically cried. Maybe your heart was broken and you, you just couldn't weep anymore. Maybe you've read scriptures till you fell asleep. There are times in our life when we have done everything we know how to do. We don't know how to take it another step farther. And listen, it's in those times of desperation when we get overwhelmed, when we don't know how to pray, that's where we need the Spirit of God to move in for us. And I'm glad when I get feeble in my prayer life, when I get feeble, I can't think, I can't make a decision, I don't know what to do. I'm thankful that I don't have to work it out all by myself. I'm glad that the Holy Spirit of God will say, hey, get out of the way, get Give this to me. Let me take over. Let me work it out for you. God knows what's going on. In fact, there's a scripture in Matthew chapter 6, verse number 8, and I'm going to give this to you. I don't know that I gave it to the media department this morning, but it's a good verse that fits right here. Matthew chapter 6, verse number 8. It says, Be ye not therefore like unto them, for your Father knoweth what things you have need of before you ask him. Thanks be to God for that. You see, God does not always have to give us what we want. But he has promised to meet our need. 
He says that, Paul says it well in Philippians 4, 19, but my God shall supply all of my need according to his riches and glory and what a mighty God we do serve. So I want us to see something now. God could see that Moses and Elijah and Jonah, they were all three running on empty. All three of them were running on the fumes. God could see they were running out of breath. So what did God do? And let me mention this. We have to give God opportunity to work. We have to give him time to work. The Bible speaks often of in the fullness of time. And again, God sometimes works in what we call a delay. God sometimes works in the beauty of tomorrow. Sometimes God works somewhere down the road. But listen, God always works. We have to give him room to operate. Now, I want you to take your Bibles and turn with me to Numbers chapter 11 because I want you to see what God did for all three of these individuals. Moses, Elijah, and Jonah. In Numbers chapter 11, I want you to notice this in verse number 16 and 17. Now concerning Moses now, he was overwhelmed physically. And the Bible says this. In fact, he had all the other problems as well. But I want you to notice this. The Bible says in Numbers chapter 11, verse 16, And the Lord said unto Moses, Gather unto me seventy men of the elders of Israel, whom thou knowest to be the elders of the people and officers over them, and bring them unto the tabernacle of the congregation, that they may be able to stand there with thee. You see, Moses was overwhelmed with being the caretaker for millions of people. And they were coming to him day and night. They were murmuring and complaining and griping and finding fault with this, that, and the other. This wasn't right. This was uh, delayed and all of this stuff. And Moses was carrying this on his shoulders all by himself. In verse 17, and God said, And I will come down and talk with, with thee there, and I will take of the Spirit which is upon thee and will put it upon them. And they shall bear the burden of the people with thee, that thou bear it not thyself alone. So what did God do for Moses? When Moses was depressed, he was physically drained. God gave Moses 70 dependable people. 70 people to stand with him. You see, this is what Moses had to do. Moses had to eliminate some of that stress, and God taught Moses the importance of having people with him to surround himself with to help him. And all of us know from time to time we're going to get physically worn out. This is what we need to understand, that there are some things that we simply cannot bear all by ourselves. Here's what we need to do. Make some necessary changes in your life. You have to remember this. You can't do it all. Sometimes you need people with you. Sometimes you've got to have help. This is what I would suggest. Make a list of everything you feel that you need to do because pressure sometimes, being overwhelmed at sometimes, listen, having so much to, that you think that you have to deal with all the time by yourself, make a list of everything that you feel that you need to do and spread it out before the Lord. Commit it to the Lord. You say, Lord, this is what I have before me and I'm overwhelmed. I don't know what in the world I'm going to do. And you start worrying about all of these different things that do require careful thought and prayer and decision making. 
But I would encourage you to do this. Commit it to the Lord. Give it to the Lord. My favorite verse in all of the Bible, and how in the world could somebody pick a favorite verse? It's like saying, what star in heaven shines the brightest? The word of God is just like milk and honey, and every verse is a treasured verse. But I have claimed to be my life's verse in Psalms chapter 37, verses 3 through 5. These are precious verses to me. It's my, I've, I've used it all of my life. I still use it today. If you've never been familiarized with that passage, I encourage you to read it. Psalms 37, verse 3 through 5. It says, Trust in the Lord and do good. And so shalt thou dwell in the land, and verily thou shalt be fed. Delight thyself also in the Lord. Delight thyself also in the Lord. And he shall give thee the desires of thine heart. But here's my favorite part. Commit thy ways unto the Lord. Trust also in him, and he shall bring it to pass. Here's what we've got to learn how to do. Instead of carrying things around on our own and, and trying to bear the burden all by ourselves, we've got to surround ourselves with some good people. We've got to make a list of the things that we feel like we absolutely have to do, and then do what this verse says. Commit them. Commit thy ways unto the Lord. Commit them to the Lord. Spread it out before the Lord. And then out of that, say, Lord, what is it that you would have me to do in all of these things? Because God, I believe, will show you some things that you could actually eliminate and not be overwhelmed with. Not, not only would God show you the beauty of things to eliminate, but God can show you, I think, the beauty of things to delegate. You think about that. And dedicate them to the Lord. So God had a physical plan for Moses. Now, what did he do for Elijah in 1 Kings chapter 19, verse number 5 and 6? Look at this. What did he do for Elijah? And as he lay and slept under a juniper tree, behold, there an angel touched him and said unto him, Arise and eat. And he looked, and behold, there was a cake, bacon on the coals, and the cruise of water at his head. And he did eat and drink and laid him down again. Now, you have to remember that Elijah is saying to God, kill me, take my life. And this is what God did. While he's having that pity party under the juniper tree, and he is saying, okay, God, it's enough. I've had enough. I want you to kill me. This is what God did. While he's over there whining and complaining, God is preparing food for him. So while he's over there moaning and groaning, God is saying this. Here, Elijah, have something to eat. Now, can you imagine that exchange? I'm thinking that Elijah is stunned because he was not asking for food. He was asking for God to take his life. And while he was in that despondent moment, God said, this is what I'm going to do for you. I'm not going to take your life. This is what I'm going to do. And the Bible says he brought him some food. You think about this just for a moment. That was probably the best angel food cake that's ever been baked in the world. <laughs> but I want you to see this. Then God did something else for him. God said, now, now that you've taken the food, God said, what you need now, Elijah. You remember, this man is depressed. He's so depressed he wants to die. God, take my life. I've had enough. And you remember what he also said to God, which was not true. He said, God, he said, I'm the only one. I'm the only one serving you. God had to remind him. He said, that's not true. I've still got 7,000 down there to have him bowed to that man. 
God said, here's some food. I'm not going to kill you. Here's some food. And then he said, I want you to take some rest. I want you to rest your body. In fact, there's a, there's a passage of scripture that goes along with that so well in the Psalms. Psalms 127 and verse number two, it says this, and they'll get these scriptures quickly on the screen for you like they have now. It says, it is vain for you to rise up early, to sit up late, to eat the bread of sorrows, for so he giveth his beloved sleep. God knows how much we need our rest. God knows that, and you need to get all that your body requires. Now listen carefully. What did he do for Jonah? Now moving quickly. Jonah chapter 4, verses 4 through 6. What did he do for Jonah? We've seen what he did for Moses physically. We see what he did for Elijah physically. What did he do for Jonah physically? Look at this. Then said the Lord, doest thou well to be angry? See, Jonah was so angry that he wanted God to kill him. God had sent a great revival to Nineveh. Jonah wanted these people, he wanted them to be exonerated. He wanted them to be blown away off of the planet. But look at this. God didn't do that. God helped these people to turn to the word. And God says in Jonah's anger, dost thou well to be angry? So Jonah went out of the city and sat on the east side of the city and there made him a booth and sat under it in the shadow till he might see what would become of the city. All right, then here's what God did for him in verse six. And the Lord God prepared a gourd and made it to come up over Jonah that it might be a shadow over his head. Jonah was sitting out there in the bacon heat in the bacon sun. He was mad. He was mad at God. So when Jonah was crying for God to kill him, God said, I'm not going to kill you. In fact, what I'm going to do for you, buddy, I'm going to grow you a big shade tree. You look like you're just overwhelmed. Now just calm down. It's all going to be all right. So God prepared him a gourd. And the Bible says it came down and covered him. It shattered him. It provided him some shade. Look at this. And the Lord prepared a gourd and made it come over Jonah that it might be a shadow over his head to deliver him from his grief. So Jonah was exceeding glad of the gourd. Now look at verse 6 again. To deliver him from his grief. You see, God knew that Jonah had a physical problem. He had a physical need. God knows that we have physical needs as well. And so if you're depressed or you know somebody that's going through that today, let me encourage you to do some of the things that we've already talked about real quickly. See your doctor, make an appointment, and you go through that with them. Tell them these things. If you require medication, take it. Don't refuse it, take it. They will tell you. They will help you. They will guide you through that. Some of you might need long overdue rest. Take some time and rest. God has to really teach that to me from time to time. Sometimes I, I don't... I don't rest until God makes me rest. And that's very difficult for me. I'm, I'm facing some difficulties with my back right now. And some of the times in the past when I've gone through these things, I, I know with all my heart that it's God that set me down. It's God that set me down to rest. And God knows how to do that. When he does it, I, he gets my attention. He doesn't have to knock on my door too many times. I know when he's, when he's behind it. So here's what you need to do. You need to see your doctor. You need to take your medication. You need to maybe get some long overdue rest. You need to put some positive people in your life. Maybe you need to change your diet. Maybe you need to get out of the house and change some scenery for a while. But listen carefully. 
There may be some practical things that you can do to help you in those physical realms. That's what God did for them physically. Now, what did God do for them emotionally, psychologically? What did God do to ease the burdens of their mind? You see, God saw Moses in a predicament. And here's what happened. Moses saw the people overwhelming him. But God gave Moses a promise. God helped him to understand that the battle was not his, but that it was the Lord's. And, and God provided those 70 individuals, people he could trust, who, people who he could depend on. And that's how God began to work in that area. Now, what did he do for Elijah? God showed Elijah his power. And this helped him in his overwhelming periods of emotional disturbance, so to speak. God showed him his power. God said, all right, if you're so afraid of this one troublemaking woman whose name is Jezebel and all of her fireworks that she's been displaying that's caused you to run into the wilderness, God said, then I'm going to show you something very awesome, Elijah, myself. And this is in 1 Kings chapter 19 and verse number 11 through 12. 1 Kings 19, verse 11 through 12. Now, this is what God is doing for Elijah. And he said, go forth and stand upon the mount before the Lord. And before the Lord passed by, and a great and strong wind rent the mountains and break in pieces the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake. But the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, a still small voice. You see, God caused a fire to come, but God wasn't in the fire. He caused a tornado to come, so to speak, and a wind to come, but God was not there. God caused an earthquake to come. And God was not in the earthquake. But then God sent a still small voice and showed himself. And the point being is this. When we put our eyes on people, when we put them on pity, when we put them on circumstances, the winds and the fires and the earthquakes of this world, they will come. And we, if we put our eyes totally on those things, it's easy. And we can, we can guarantee ourselves to get some kind of depression and all of that. We have to learn how to keep our eyes on Jesus. God met Elijah's need in the softness of it and the quietness of his person. Now, what about Jonah? God exchanged Jonah's anger and he put it in perspective a little bit. God took away the gourd for a while so that Jonah could see the fields that were white under harvest. Now, at last, let me say this. What did God do for these men spiritually? First of all, he simply loved on them. He manifested himself in a great and compassionate way. He brought them close to his side. Here's what happened. This is what God did for them spiritually, and you ought to rejoice in this as well. Because after Moses and Elijah and Jonah prayed for God to kill them. Aren't you glad God didn't step back from that situation and said, well, now let me give this some thought. I don't know what these guys are going to be worth tomorrow. The next day, don't look at them. Maybe he could have turned to an archangel, Michael, or maybe he could have turned to somebody. Look at this. These guys down there, listen, I had done so much for these men. Now look at them. They're down there having these pity parties, and they're wanting to die. They're crying. They're pouting. And I just don't know how valuable they're going to be to me and the work and the kingdom from this point forward. 
I just don't know about this. But listen carefully. When these men were at their lowest point, the Bible doesn't say that God crossed them off the list. The Bible doesn't say that God kicked them to the curb. The Bible doesn't say that God took them out of the army. Here's what God did when they were so down. Let me give you a cake. Hold on just a minute. Let me give you a cake. And you need some rest. Rest. See, when they were at their lowest point, what God did, God didn't kick them to the curb. He didn't beat them up. He didn't call them names. He didn't take their name off of the list. When, when they were down on their last thought, when they were down on their last teardrop, God said, hey, let me love on you a little bit. And what God did was he didn't kick them out of the way. God said, hey, come to me. All you that labor and are heavy laden, I will give you rest. God loved on them. And when he loved on them, and when they were ready to stand, God used them again. Now you think about that just for a minute. And if you're overwhelmed with depression today, remember this, that God so loved this world enough to send his only begotten son to die for us. And he's promised never to leave us nor forsake us. And so here's the thing, we cannot take our eyes off of him. I want to close with this last verse. And these have been four sermons on one subject, winning the battle over depression. I pray that some of it's helped you, but I want to close with this last passage. It's one of my favorites in the Bible, written by the shepherd of the Psalms, Psalms 23. I don't know how many, we read this verse at funerals all the time. I'm requested to read this verse and I do read it. But have you ever thought about the words that's in the 23rd Psalm? I want you to see this. They'll get it on the screen for you really quick. And I want to go through this very, very quickly with you. Look at this. Can you say this today? David didn't say the Lord is a shepherd. He didn't say the Lord's a good shepherd. He didn't say the Lord is a great shepherd. Can you say what David said? The Lord is my shepherd. And when you're overwhelmed today, remember this, that he's not just the God of this one and that one and that one. The Lord is your God. The Lord is my shepherd I shall not want. Look at this. He leadeth me beside. He maketh me lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still water. Sometimes he's got to make us lay down. He rest- And that's what he's going to have to do for me. I don't say that sacrilegiously. I just know that. I'm I'm getting to a place where he's got to make me lay down. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his namesake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. And by the way, let me say this. Death is not a stopping place. See, the truth of the matter is we will all be somewhere forever. And don't buy into all of these politically correct ideas of the life after death because there's only two places, heaven or hell. Where are you going, friend? Where are you going? 
Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Aren't you glad he never leaves us nor forsakes us? The rod and thy staff, they comfort me. That's what God was doing to these guys. Overwhelmed in depression, he just let me give you a cake. What you need is some rest. They comfort me. Thou preparest the table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil, my cup runneth over. And look at this, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. I'm so glad that I don't ever get out of God's long reach of grace and mercy. This is what I believe. If you want to be shown mercy in your life, you've got to be willing to give it. Mercy is something different than grace. Grace is something, listen now, we don't deserve, but God gave it to us, his unmerited favor. But mercy is stopping, God stopping things we do deserve and loving on us. Not kicking us away, but embracing us and loving on us. And that's what he did for all three of these guys, Moses, Elijah, and Jonah. What he did was just wrap those boys up. He just loved on them. Jesus said, learn of me, for I am meek and lowly. God said, listen, just lay your head on me just for a moment. Learn of me. I'll comfort you. I'll give you what you need. I'll meet you. And that's what God did. He met all of those needs in a physical way, in an emotional way, in a spiritual way. I want to close by saying as our musicians come forward, listen very carefully again. And I made this statement from the very beginning. When you hurt physically and you hurt emotionally, it will affect you spiritually. Give it to the Lord. Spread it out to the Lord. If you ever find yourself in a depressed state, listen, don't try to hide that. You talk to somebody. Let somebody help you. The song, the song says exclusively, tell it to Jesus. Tell it to Jesus. He's a friend that's well known. You've no other such a friend or brother. Tell it to Jesus alone. You talk to your doctor. Listen to what they say. Take your medication. Get some rest. Maybe change your diet. Surround yourself with some positive friends. Take a walk. There's a lot that you can do. You don't have to sit in a house with the shades pulled and cry. You don't have to do that. That's what the devil would like for you to do because when you get to that point, you pull those shades and you begin to cry and you shut out the world. Listen, you won't want to pray. You, you won't want to read the Bible. You won't want to hear the message. You won't want to hear the word of God. You won't want to hear the gospel music. You just want to bury your head in the sand. But give it to Jesus. I promise you, he'll turn your sorrow into joy. You listen to Pastor Tony Cahoot. For more information, visit our website at BufordRoadBaptistChurch.com.